1: Life is really just a series of fuck-ups and then occasionally you're like, oh my god, I didn't fuck this up. That feels awesome.
0: Welcome to Manic Rambling Spiral. I'm Heather B. Armstrong.
1: And I'm John R. Bray.
0: This week, we will tackle the Not only the idea, but the reality of different parenting styles when you do or don't co-parent. Because
1: they do differ slightly.
0: The differing...
1: Or significantly. Yes.
0: This actually does... So right before we hit record on this episode, I was about to talk about Lita's piano recital. That happened last night, and I thought, you know what? Let's save this for the episode. And it kind of goes, plays into the differing um, approach to parenting that John and I have. My ex, Jex, yes, <laughs> my ex has, yeah. Um,
1: That's interesting. I didn't even think about that when we were having our little pre-recording conversation, but it does. It's a perfect transition.
0: Yeah, so Lita every I'm writing about this, so anybody who reads my website will probably have read about this before this episode airs. But Lita plays in front of judges twice a year and she plays a concerto with her piano teacher in the fall and then in the spring she plays two solo pieces. These pieces are very, very complicated and never straightforward, and they change key about seven times, and then they, you have to play off-tempo, and it's goddamn Beethoven. <laughs> why, did, <laughs> why can't he just play Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star? Or did, who even wrote that? He probably did write that, and I'm like, complete, I'm, a, I'm a complete idiot.
1: If these are twice a year, can I ask, is that what she works toward? I mean, does she spend six months working toward each of these? Is that how that works?
0: No, she, okay. um, she's Um, she got like four other pieces that she's always practicing at the same time as well. Like she's learning a song and then she'll learn another song and she'll learn another song while she's working towards this concerto performance. So the concerto is kind of always there. And then after the concerto is over, she's still got the rest of her lessons to like get through and things to learn while she's got these two solo pieces that she has to work toward. It's a lot of work.
1: That's a lot of work.
0: It's a lot of work. And uh, in the weeks leading up to playing for the judges, I walk around the room. And and this is, like, it's, we split it up into two 30-minute chunks. And I walk around the room for 30 minutes while she's playing the piece. And I, like, have her stop and redo something to practice the way it's supposed to sound. And so it's at least an hour, if not more, out of my night and an hour or more out of her night especially in the weeks leading up to playing in front of the judges.
1: Can I just ask a quick question? Because I think you've mentioned the pacing before when she's playing. Mm -hmm. How did that start?
0: Because I know you've said
1: she's fairly independent in terms of her her practicing. Like she'll, unlike Marlo, she'll sit (laughs) down and, and do it. So what kind of triggered that for you to be there walking around as she's playing?
0: This will go right into the discussion about the different parenting styles. I know how to play the piano by ear and played quite a bit as a kid by ear. I can pick up songs and play easy songs by ear with both hands. I, I don't read music very well for piano playing. John is a classically trained pianist and took piano lessons for years and years and years and then played keyboard in several bands throughout college. Oh, wow. So he he knows music theory. He knows you know, he can read music and, which is why we got her into music, into piano in the first place was, so she's got, she's got the ear from me and then she's got the tendency to be able to play piano from him. We'll see if this works. And it works. I mean, absolutely. She's phenomenal. She's really good at it. When John and I got divorced and separated, he had a keyboard at his condo And I was always asking him, are you having her practice? Like, are you having her practice at night? She needs to practice. At that point, I think she was just practicing, like, maybe 30 to 40 minutes a night.
1: This was when he was still in Salt Lake, so she was there more regularly, right? Okay.
0: Yeah. So we we were 50-50. So when he was here, I was like, are you having her practice? And he said, I'm leaving that up to her. She needs to be more responsible about that. Which infuriated me. I'm not saying that's wrong. But it infuriated me because it was like, wait a minute, she's nine and ten years old, and you're leaving it up to a nine and ten-year-old to decide whether or not she's going to practice the piano that we're paying a lot of money for so that she can have this skill. Like, no, you need to sit her down and help her through the lesson. Can you do that? And he didn't want to do that.
1: Just because he thought it should be her responsibility. Yeah. Huh.
0: So what I did (laughs) oh man so what I did was like okay then she won't practice with you so every day I I paid for a babysitter to come they would come to my house regardless of where they were going to be spending the night they would come to my house after school and I would get them through their homework and I would get Lita through her practicing because I knew that he wasn't going to do it piano has been up to me basically this the whole time
1: so before that they would go from school to his condo?
0: No. um, No. They've always, they were always coming home to me and then the babysitter would either take them to John's or they would stay with me.
1: Okay. But you would, you would always do the homework? Yes. And so the piano was the new
0: piece? Yeah. Instead of leaving it to, to, to on his nights to him, I would just have her do it while she was with me.
1: Why did the homework always get done there too?
0: Because uh, the babysitter so that I had we the babysitter basically was there from the time they got out of school until five thirty, so that I could have a working day, and she helped with she helped with homework. That's what she did. Ah, okay, yeah,
1: and then he didn't have to mess with homework or piano.
0: And so this whole endeavor, this whole piano thing, has been. It's been me and Lita. And and so back to the point, I called when I made that decision, when I knew that he wasn't going to help her with the lessons, I was at a place where she was far beyond any skill that I had. And I was like, fuck, what do I do? I don't know how to help her. I don't know how to read music. I don't know how to help her. So I called the teacher and I was like, I was like, Maya, this is really important to me because I know she's talented and I, I want her to have... This skill, even though she might not play piano for a living, at least it's teaching her hard work. It's a great skill to have. Music in her life is a wonderful thing to, to know. What do I do? And she's like, break up the uh, practicing into chunks. So you got like a 20-minute chunk and another 20-minute chunk. And just walk around the room while she's doing it. That just will give her the confidence— I'll I'll make sure that she understands what she's playing when she comes to the lesson. But when she's practicing, if you're in the room, it gives her the confidence to know what she's doing. And it worked. It totally worked.
1: Just having you there, but Mm -hmm. not like staring her down. Right. Huh. I've never heard that before. That's interesting. It makes sense, but huh.
0: I think this teacher is, this teacher is so phenomenal. And it was her insight. She's like, just having you there is going to give her the confidence. And Honestly, like last year, she memorized, I think it was a 20, 22-page concerto by herself. She learned it all by herself. She memorized it by herself. This year, the piece that she's playing is uh, so crazy. It's just so crazy. Like, I look at the music, and it just looks like a foreign language. And um, she she's so talented, and... And last night we went to the piano recital and the teacher always saves the best student for last at the recital and we get there and we look at the program and there's she is second to last on the program and she looks wow. at me and she's got the, she's got a disappointed look on her face until we learn that the last person on the program is a former student of the teacher who happens to be in town and is going to play what he used to play when he was a student
1: Ah, uh, okay. So he's ahead of her in terms of practice. And
0: he's 27 years old.
1: So a little bit. Yeah. Okay. There we go. She's so she was last. She was last. Wow. That's impressive.
0: It's, it was good. And there was another student there that, that I didn't know and Lita didn't know from another teacher. And she sat down and she played she played second. She played a Rachmaninoff piece. A 20-minute Rachmaninoff oh, piece. Oh, Jesus. And it was the most beautiful thing I have ever heard. She did not miss a note. And I was like, oh, my God.
1: Was this memorized, too? Or is this read? It's all memorized.
0: So I know Lita's sitting there going, oh, God, I got to follow that. (laughs) So Lita gets up to go play her piece. And I I sit down next to the girl to to video Lita and, like, I, my involuntarily like my head's moving along with the music and i'm like tapping my foot i'm like trying not to and anyway she did great she did really 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 good and I'm so proud of her and um but it was awesome afterwards because the girl who played the Rachmaninoff piece who's five years older than lita oh, wow. <laughs> she's five children she, she comes over and she's like your daughter unbelievable and I just got this huge involuntary grin on my face and I'm like you think so? and she's like oh my gosh like I wish I had played like that at her age and I just I haven't smiled a lot in the last month (laughs) and it was so incredible this is my child and this is the investment of money and time and love and this is one of those moments where it's like I'm glad I had a baby.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Well, but I think since we're talking about these different styles, not pointing out that one is bad and one is good, but, you know, obviously it's, it's her ability, right? She's the one who sits down and reads the music and memorizes the music and hears the music and plays the music. But I think it's unlikely that she'd be where she's at now if when she was, you know, 8 and 9 and 10 practice was optional. Right. I think there, there is a certain point where you have to push because they won't push themselves. I, I mean, I think with some things you can push all you want and they're going to resist because it's not for them. But with something like this, you know, you pushed and now she's at a point where she enjoys it. She wants to practice. She probably doesn't need to get pushed anymore, though maybe she needs the encouragement when things are hard. But I just wonder if if it would really be this far along if it was up to her. With
0: this particular activity... I, I pushed her to the point where she, I pushed her and made her push herself to the point where when it paid off, she got to feel that satisfaction. And so she got to associate, okay, I worked this hard and this is what happened at the end. That was pretty cool. Now I understand why I have to push. That was what I wanted. It was that connection that I wanted her to make. And that's kind of why I've done piano, not only because she's talented, but it's like, I want to teach you that when you do this hard work, that the satisfaction at the end makes all that hard work worth it. And that's why it's so important.
1: Right. And she experienced it and felt it and now wants to do it. hmm All on her own, which is amazing.
0: She came home from New York. She was in New York for five weeks for the summer, not having practiced piano at all. And she came home and, Like, the second day she was here, she's like, oh, gosh, I'm going to have to practice piano, and I'm going to have forgotten everything is going to be terrible. And she falls over.
1: And then she sat down, and it was fine. It was fine. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't take credit for that behavior at all. I don't don't act like that ever. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, like, act like that every day of my life.
1: It doesn't sound like that's how you acted when you were that age, either. I don't (laughs) know. Totally okay with possibly being imperfect.
0: No, I'm writing about this too. Is this thing I told you that Marlo bangs her head on the piano and she gets really frustrated? And then, like this last week, the, the lesson this week was really complicated, and she sat down, and I was just bracing for it. I was just bracing, and she kind of she got the lesson relatively easy. It was like okay. And then she came back and she wanted to play the complicated song like four times because it was like, I got this, y'all. And I was like, Okay. This may this may work. If I don't collapse under the pressure <laughs> of two children in piano, <laughs> this might work.
1: That's awesome. Because that's mm-hmm. usually a pretty treacherous practice. Yeah. But she also got it quickly. She which I got think it. Contributes. If she hadn't and maybe maybe she still would have kept her cool. I don't know. But that seems to be what her issue is normally, right, is if she doesn't get it immediately, then all hell breaks loose.
0: She wants to be good without the practice. So I think, to your point, so I took it on myself. Like, I took on the piano. I was like, okay, so this isn't going to happen over there. It's going to happen with me. And we did an episode where we talked about the advantages of single parenthood. And I think for me... Um, we, I think we brought up the fact that uh, Amy Poehler wrote, uh, "I want a divorce. See you tomorrow." Where, oh yes. when, when you get divorced, you're still interacting with that person on constantly. Well, when he moved to New York, that stopped for me, and like we, our interaction is very, very, very limited. And um, in terms of co-parenting and the different styles of co-parenting. I don't have to deal with that on a level that you do. Yes. <laughs> <That> <laughs> this is, is a segue. True. This is a segue, John. <laughs> yeah, that's,
1: I mean, like, like everything with, with single parenting or soul parenting, it's, it's kind of good and bad, right? I mean, there's Double parts of that. Sword. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think in some ways that affords you an incredible amount of freedom. I mean, obviously, the freedom of just not having to have that regular interaction. But just the freedom to to make those decisions. And I don't I don't have that. I I talk to in some capacity, whether it's actually talking on the phone or in person or via text to Hex, my Heather, at least once a day. At least once a day. And I don't initiate them. And it it's I think uh, I'm trying to come up with the best way to put this. It's kind of like the the thing that well, aside from the obvious thing that bothers me is that if there if if Lexton was not in the picture, I wouldn't communicate with her at all ever again. but that's not an option, but aside from that is it, it sometimes it it feels like sort of sideline parenting, I guess, like checking in on the highlights or checking in on this or that. And we have incredibly different parenting styles and we always have. Mm -hmm. And that makes for an interesting situation when you're together and it makes for a really colorful situation when you are not.
0: You have got to be incredibly frustrated all the time. Yeah,
1: it's yes. And I think it's kind of, this
0: is a really fun topic.
1: Um, is it really fun? This is... Just,
0: just you know what? Just get into it. Just just rip it open. La- I mean, I listened to last week's episode where I am just like, everybody's a racist. My family's a racist. <laughs> Everybody sucks. And I'm just like, oh, shit. <laughs> Oops. Well, guess what? That's what this podcast is, John. Yeah, Let it go. I know.
1: Well, there's just, I think it's hard because there's so many different layers to this issue that it's hard to know where to start. I mean I'm I'm more hands off in some ways she's very much a helicopter parent like a worrier with everything and again it's always been that way it hasn't just started since he's been living with me but it's it's challenging to have to to do things with Lexton and to be responsible for him every day and then feel like that's questioned constantly Like, did you do this did you he, he was sick over the weekend or a few days ago and she is calling him and having him tell me what I need to do to take care of him when he's sick. Like, did dad give you this medicine? Did he set up the humidifier? Did he do...
0: Then why isn't she doing it? Why didn't she take the day off work?
1: I know. I know. Because she... I, yes, because she can't. Because she can't take the day off work. Because in order to take the day off work, she would have to use a vacation day because where she works vacation time and sick time is all lumped into one pot and a sick kid is just not a reason to use your time i mean especially when i clearly don't work and can be with
0: him so your work life has to suffer because she she won't take a vacation day
1: yes but so this and this is sort of what i mean about like the sideline parenting is that she's very concerned about these little tiny details. Like, did, did you take this medicine? I took him to a concert a couple weeks ago. Did I bring earplugs? Does he have a jacket? Is he having fun? All, like, just a barrage of texts. But then when it comes down to there is a need that needs to be tended to, then it's more of a hands-off approach.
0: So what do you when she, when she's texting you like this? Have you ever just been like, "You know what? Please stop." Like, please please like, "You know, I've got this covered. Like, he lives with me 90% of the time. Like, I got this." Do you ever say that to her?
1: Yes, I did actually when I took him to the concert. And it it's never I mean, occasionally I'll get the apology that's then followed up by seven questions. But so it's gotten to the point sometimes where I just stop responding. Or I'll just say, everything's fine. And then I stop. Because I, I can't I can't possibly keep up with all of the questions. If you, if you care that much to ask all of these questions, then you should be doing these things. But you're not. And when he's with her on those weekends, from the time that I drop him off until the time that I pick him up, unless there's some kind of emergency, I don't communicate with her at all. That's, that's actually the only... 48-hour period I get when I don't communicate with her is when he because is there. Because
0: you're just like, okay, so he's he's in your care, and I trust that you're going to take care of things. Great. See you in two days.
1: Exactly. And she's going to take care of things in her own way. And I I recognize that maybe some of those things I don't agree with, but he's with her. So I can't I, I can't control those things that he's not with me. So it doesn't matter. There's nothing I can do. Like, I realize that.
0: So you didn't you didn't. So what, basically what you're doing is you're reading off the playbook in divorce class. <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> you didn't take the divorce class because you weren't married. Right. You know about divorce class, right?
1: I, that is actually the first time I've ever heard of it. I didn't know there was a divorce class. Like you how to, to be take, divorced?
0: In Utah, you have to take a divorce class in order to get your divorce.
1: Is that a thing like outside of Utah?
0: I don't know, but you have to go sit in a classroom... With other separated parent people, they do not not necessarily parents, but, oh, I think it's a divorce class if you have children, because it's all about that specifically. It's basically, don't do stupid things like take your kid to get a haircut to get revenge against your ex.
1: Ah, okay. You know what I mean? Right, using your kids as... Yeah, you know,
0: okay. and, and yes, you don't like it when she parents that's very specific way, but in the scheme of things, how much does that matter in terms of the safety and well-being of your child? If it doesn't matter that much, let it go. Okay, yeah. Yeah, They, there's a whole divorce book about it.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. No, that would be, I should have a copy of that sent elsewhere because that is that's kind of what it's all about. I mean, I understand if I was you know letting you him you should have
0: a copy of that book sent to heather you can say that
1: she needs to read one because mm-hmm. there's just a certain point and i've i've said to her that the night of the concert that's what i texted her i said as always he has everything he needs to be safe and comfortable i take care of him every single day because I, I don't know
0: did you follow it up with the goddamn it i to, <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: I wanted to Oh god, did I want to? But no.
0: I am not encouraging that behavior. I'm just pointing out that sometimes this is how we feel.
1: I would correct that with often. That is often how we feel. But you don't always act on the way that you feel. You have to you have to reason through it. But I think the reason that I wanted to have this discussion is because there is that division point between houses. I mean, you know when they when they're with when they're with Jex for five weeks, they're probably going to do things in a different structure than the structure that you have at home. Very, very different. Right. And like we've said, some of that you might really disagree with, but at the end of the day, if it's not going to really cause them any kind of major harm, you let it be. You just let it play its course and you, you go with it. Right? Yes. Maybe that's not how it's processed in your head, but... Externally, that's how it goes.
0: There's nothing that I can do from 2,500 miles away. I'm not going to stomp my feet and I'm not going to get angry. I know they're safe, right? Exactly. I know they're safe. Well,
1: and the piano is a good example, though. Like you you can't make him make her practice, so you practice with her. That, mm-hmm. you, that was just something you took on yourself. You had the time to do it, and that's what you did. I mean, when you when you separate well, divorce in your case or separate in mine, it's you kind of acknowledge that every, well, theoretically, you acknowledge that everything then is separated. You're going to be on the same page with certain things, but really you're reading two totally different books now. Like that's just how it is. And I bring that up because you have to parent then separately. And, and for the most part, Heather and I have, A working relationship and it's fine but there's also times where i think what she would like is for there to be more joint parenting and i i don't really buy into that
0: so what do you mean by joint parenting other than co-parenting
1: well i mean as in i will just use a current Mm -hmm. example because it's easier to illustrate it that way (laughs) So the last time he was with Everybody her...
0: Everybody sit down and grab a <laughs> grab a bowl of popcorn. Here we go.
1: So the last time he was with her, she called. And I I I know that's never going to be good. If it if she skips the text, it just calls. There's something that's a little meatier. So first I had to decide if I was going to answer or if I was going to screen it. <laughs> because sometimes that's easier. Or sometimes I just say, I can't answer it, but I can text. I'm somewhere. I don't know. So I picked it up and she had a question about the homework that he had. He always does homework with me. If he's going with her over the weekend, we do as much as we can Friday. And then he leaves the rest of it with me and does it on Sunday. It's just easier that way. I know his homework. I know his classes. I know all of that. But she wanted to know what he had and if there was anything that he could work on. And I'm on speakerphone and he's there. So I explained the homework and said everything that he had and everything that he'd done and then how this kind of all spiraled was that he didn't want to do homework and, and was kind of having an attitude with her. And she wanted me to tell him that that was inappropriate and that he should do his homework.
0: Oh, so she, so joint parenting meaning that like, like it was before, like when you guys were together. Yes. Like that kind of thing.
1: Yes. Like we would have each other's backs. Like, like that. I'm
0: going to turn to you in the same room and you need to take care of this. Yes. Okay.
1: And that doesn't make any sense to me at all. Because for one, not, not that he's flawless and perfect and never has an attitude with me because it definitely happens. But I don't ever call her and ask her if she can straighten things out for me because he's at my house. She won't know what happened before the call. I mean, there's, you have zero context. And I kind of, I'm not going to be the police when he's at your home, home, home. I just, it doesn't make sense to me to do that. And I, I didn't, I had her take me off speakerphone and we had a heated discussion about whether or not that is the position that I should be put in. And maybe I'm totally in the wrong, but it just, it doesn't make sense to me. I
0: don't think that she should be calling you and asking you to shame him into doing something while while he's with her.
1: And even if you you disregard his feelings, it totally undermines her. Right. Because then in his mind, he doesn't really have to do anything unless I get involved. And I I don't want to play that role. And it's really just going to make things worse when he's there. But I struggle to come up with this kind of black and white line mm-hmm. because we don't we don't have any paperwork, any official things because we weren't actually divorced because that doesn't exist. So there's part of me that kind of always feels like I'm walking on eggshells.
0: I think this is where we all step in and say you need to go talk to a lawyer and you guys need to get something in writing.
1: Yes. It. So yeah, I knew that was coming. <laughs> hundred percent. I have, but the reality is that nothing can be put into writing without her signature, which and now I will say I haven't checked in probably six months. But the last time that was brought up, it was a flat out no. Well, it was a flat out no to adoption. It was a maybe to a guardianship. Why? He's been living with me for a, a year and a half.
0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Why why a flat out no to adoption?
1: I can guess, but I don't know. There's never been a reason given. But I think because in the back of her mind she knows that technically, right now, she could just come over and say, He's gonna live with me now, and we're gonna move to California or wherever. And I I'm sure I could I'm sure I could make things difficult in court, but without legally adopting him, I don't have that 50 50 say I don't at all. So she knows as soon as she signs off on that, that I then have that authority. That is, that's honestly what I think. I think that's the motivating mm-hmm. factor.
0: The control She'd be giving up absolute control.
1: Yes. Which is interesting because he's with me all the time. Anyway, and she really doesn't have that control. So maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I mean, I've even said, because I, I know it's it's not inexpensive to go through with the adoption and the attorney fees and all of the paperwork. I've, I have said, you know, I'll pay for it. I'm not asking you to pay for the adoption, but I can't do it without your permission, obviously. I mean, it's something that I will bring up again because it it doesn't make any sense at all.
0: Well, at least, like, a, a guardianship would at least give you a better place to to stand if anything did go wrong god forbid. Yes. Yeah,
1: that and that's something that I think I need to more aggressively push for simply for that reason.
0: Can I ask you this? Do you know what your rights are if he gets sick in the hospital?
1: Yeah, so technically and I had this is when I met with the attorney this was the discussion that we had without a guardianship I legally I'm not allowed to sign off on anything, which means that if I sign off on something and then Heather were to find out and disagree with it, that's very bad news for me. Right. I mean, I'm sure that I've signed off on things already that I shouldn't have. I mean, I've taken him to the doctor when he's been sick. I've signed off on school things. Without that legal guardianship, technically, that's probably not allowed. And if it got questioned, then it would be an issue. Right. I mean... He's under her insurance, so it's not like she doesn't know that I take him to these places. And I guess that's what I mean with being on eggshells. And that's where I'm sort of stuck, because I could say, well, if you're not going to let me have the guardianship at a minimum, then he's going to be with you, because there's too much risk involved on my end. But that that doesn't feel right to me, because then I feel like I'm just reducing him to a risk. Mm-hmm. And the alternative doesn't make sense.
0: Wow, well, sometimes, you know we sometimes i don't mean to laugh at all but sometimes we we have these conversations for several episodes and then we're reminded of just how fucked your situation is i'm so sorry it totally <laughs> just, is
1: yeah oh yeah yeah it's it's so messed up and we this is such a pertinent topic because we just had a long in-person conversation yesterday evening which is like the one time in my life that I've been thankful that Lexton takes the longest showers in the world because he's just up there singing and, you know, it creates a a decent atmosphere for having these conversations. But, you know, we have to sit there and talk about how we can all be on the same page and make things as, as good as possible for Lexton. Now, this is like 18 months after all of this happened. Mm -hmm. So I'm, not to sound negative, but I'm kind of past that point. Like I I tried once last fall to get to, I I mean, I even openly offered to sit down with her and Robert and talk about things so that we could make sure that everything with Lexton was, was cool, that there was at least some consistency between the two places so that it didn't seem as weird. Nothing. Then she suggested it I don't know sometime in the spring I said sure let me know nothing so I'm kind of just if you didn't care enough to put this into consideration a year ago then what what is the point like now things have kind of settled into their permanent place of awesome and that's where we are and then everything spirals in that conversation and we just get off topic and turns into uh,
0: do you feel a sense of resignation that's a good question
1: you mean just to the whole situation? Hmm. Kind of, but I think I think res- the idea of resignation when you hear it, it always comes with this, like almost like I've been defeated, so I'm just gonna go with it. And for me, it's more I've moved on. Like I'm I'm moving forward, doing my own thing, into my own rhythm. Everything's cool. I don't want to go back and figure this shit out now. Like that. I tried and tried and tried. It is done now. The ship has sailed.
0: Yeah, right. You, and you've accomplished so much already that even having the discussion is sort of like pointless.
1: Yeah. Like, almost like she wants to have the discussion because maybe things, i totally guessing, but maybe things when, when Lexton is there aren't quite as smooth as she wants or things aren't going quite how she wants. So now it's time to have the discussion. I mean, after trying and not being able to have the discussion, then what I don't know i just and i'm I'm kind of settled into how things are mm-hmm. and if you know if he has an attitude with her when he's over there or she's having trouble getting him to do things, then sorry, but you need to figure it out because that's not how it is and and ultimately, that's where most of this you know kind of joint parenting tension comes into play is that he he acts out a lot more for her. And I finally told her, I said, you know, we can talk about how to, how to fix this. But I said, he doesn't act out like that for me or for your parents or for my parents or for my brother or for my, like nobody except you. So I said, there's, he's there's, angry, right? And that's what I said. I said, he might not be able to explain it to you, but this, this doesn't have anything to do with me and it has to do with you. I said, I've spent the last year and a half working through this with him from my standpoint, but I said, that that's only half of this issue. But that's like the piece, I think, to work through it with him is to for her to own up to some things that maybe she doesn't want to. And mm-hmm. things are what they are. I mean, nothing is going to change. Like the, the story has already been written, but without it being addressed, the issues will continue. And we can try to polish things as much as we want. It's not going to change it.
0: Do you think that Lexton would benefit at all from therapy?
1: Yes, very much so. And we differ slightly on that as well. And that's been, that that has been, I wouldn't say a, a huge issue, but it's been something that we've butted heads on a little bit because he's, I mean, without the guardianship, I can't legally sign off on that. He's on her insurance. So it's kind of a complicated issue.
0: Oh, man. Yep.
1: So there are definitely advantages to not having to communicate this regularly.
0: A therapist would do, I don't know, you get the right therapist and a therapist can do wonders.
1: Yes. And that's, yeah. I, I think, I mean, I don't think there's like a point where now it's too late and he shouldn't go to one. I mean, he, he needs to, whether it takes me another six months or a year to get him to one. I think it's important. But I I, I suspect again that if he's there, I mean, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, that would then involve both Heather and myself with the therapist, um, right, at some point.
0: At some point, yeah, like the therapist that um, my children have seen, he's he has a really unique take on things, and he sees the children by himself, and um, will sometimes call me and say, "I just need to do a download with you and get some information from you." But he sees them; they are alone in there, and he worked a miracle on Lita. She she came back from well, here it is; she came back from camp couple years ago it was his he gets six weeks in the summer and it was the second set of I divided it up into three weeks at the beginning of summer and three weeks at the end and he sent her to a sleepaway camp for three weeks and she'd never been away from home she'd never been away from home for more than you know a night or two and she was sleepaway camp in New Jersey uh, three weeks of it where they have thunderstorms
1: and this is like two two levels away from home. Not to say that being with her father is not home in some way, but it's not home home.
0: Right. And I was very opposed to it. I and I made it, I put up a huge fight because I was very worried. And she cuz I know my kid, and I would have been totally fine with a week. But apparently 3 weeks was the only option, and we fought tooth and nail over this and she went to camp that first year for three weeks and like four days in there was a thunderstorm that shook the cabin that she was sleeping in like it was really really terrifying she's never experienced a thunderstorm in her life when we live in Utah it hasn't rained in months and um, she came home and was having panic attacks about it like crippling crippling panic attacks and um, I gotta have like five friends who all send five divorced friends who all send their children to this one therapist. Oh, God. <laughs> it's so funny that because says a lot, sometimes though. sometimes I'll show up and I'll see my friend sitting there because her kid is seeing him before my kid and he has to come out and pretend that he that he doesn't know that we know each other. <laughs> <laughs> but um and he did. He did a wonder, like a miracle. Like he, I don't, he's a, he's a very funny guy. But she went to camp the next year this this last summer, and she had a great time. But yeah, therapy therapy for kids, especially. I mean, I therapy would have been very helpful in my childhood. <laughs> 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 yeah, I got started late on therapy. And
1: I, I mean, I think I would like to do that, but again, it needs that agreement. Well, I guess, Mm -hmm. so for you, if you wanted to pull them out of therapy or put them in therapy, do you need his permission?
0: No. I mean, no. No.
1: See, that's Mm -hmm. super, I, God, they envy that.
0: Probably. I don't know. uh, I don't know. There's, yeah. yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So it's complicated in its own way.
0: Well, it's just, I'm, I, the the relationship and, and the way things are set up is that I take care of everything. I take care of of everything, all of it. Every single aspect of their lives is my responsibility and no one else's. That's just how it is now. I mean, every single aspect of their lives is up to me pretty much. He has his his time in the in the summer and he has certain holidays and that is the involvement and everything else, every doctor appointment, every therapy appointment. Every every single part of their lives is whether or not I make her eat school lunch. Like that's not even a discussion that I have with anybody except her. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. But I think
1: the difference is, I mean, that's essentially, well, so they're with him six weeks in the summer and then whatever the holiday schedule is. So even if it was just the six weeks, that's 42 days in a year. So Lexton mm-hmm. is with Heather four days a month. So forty eight days a year, but it's just more frequent, right? Right. Like it's broken up into little tiny chunks, but all of the necessary things that have to happen, doctor, dentist, haircut, school clothes, all of the meals, everything, it's on me. But at the same time, because there's no real formal anything, that's where the eggshells come in. Like I I don't Mm want to make some major decision without talking to her about it. Minor things, yes. I mean, the daily things, yes. But things like therapy, I, I can't just do that.
0: That's sad.
1: <laughs> it's sad, and it's really hard. And I feel like mm. that would just be tremendously helpful for him. I mean, she Heather has never been a big fan of therapy. So I think there's also probably that element that if he's going, then somehow it's going to involve her, and then that just gets all complicated, which is a ridiculous reason. But So instead of actually tackling that, like the fact that he's you know, that he's got some anger and resentment and confusion that hasn't been dealt with. We have to deal with just other miscellaneous crap that shouldn't even be discussed. I mean, when when you've been, when you've been separated for over a year and a half and someone sits across the table from you and says, so what about the situation is still making you uncomfortable? I'm like, <laughs> uh, this is really not a discussion that we need to get into right now at all. And then I'm just, so we're supposed to be talking about, mm.
0: Does she want to discuss her relationship with her husband with you? Is that what she wants to do?
1: Well, she wants to discuss her relationship with her husband with me in terms of how that relationship interacts with Lexton and me, which is totally irrelevant because I said, you know, I'll talk about parenting with you, but I'm not going to talk about parenting with him. I have no reason to because you are around. So that like he doesn't even factor in. And every time I run into them in public, which happens so much. So that is another reason That Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, he, he leaves every time. It doesn't really matter what they're doing, you know? So that automatic, whether, even, even if Lexton is there and we all happen to kind of round a corner in a grocery store, which may have happened recently, he leaves. So then Lexton sees that. Robert leaves. Yes. Which, I mean, it's not like I'm excited to see him, but I can deal with it. So then instead of talking about, you know, how to work through these issues with Lexton and how to help him work through these issues for himself. She asks, or tells me rather, that she still doesn't understand why I wouldn't just shake his hand last year.
0: She still doesn't understand that.
1: No. Which is, it's totally a non-issue at this point. And I said, well, you don't have to understand it. But I said, if he offered his hand now, I still wouldn't shake it. <laughs> you're, st-
0: you're still bitter.
1: I, it's not that I'm, so it's not that I'm bitter. The reason I didn't shake it to begin with is that I don't have any respect for him as a person. He doesn't enter my thought unless she brings him up. I don't consider him. I, he makes no difference on my life, but I see a handshake as a greeting and as a sign of respect, and I, I just have zero respect for him. That's where I stand with it. It's not even a bitterness. Like I'm I'm past the relationship. It's not like I want that to heal, and I can sit in a room with him, and I have sat in a room with him and had a drink and a conversation. Like a normal conversation. But I don't feel that I owe him that respect.
0: You know what this kind of is, and this is where I see your point, is that it's like he bought into the lunacy of the entire situation. He enabled it and bought into it. And you're like, you know what? I am not going to legitimize this by acknowledging you because you bought into this and enabled this fucking lunacy to take place and continue to take place yes is that right
1: yeah and i i mean that's and it's not i mean i've really spent god i've spent so much time reflecting on you know how much of this is me and how much i just need to get over and move on and it's it is that it's that he legitimized it it's that he he totally rocked lexton's world And neither one of them has wanted to actually acknowledge how big, how significant that was.
0: I do not identify with this at all, John. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So that,
1: I think that's really where it it comes from, is it's not like a bitterness to her. It's not even that I hate him. That would require too much of my time. I just, he doesn't figure into my life. He doesn't matter to me. And I really feel like to walk up to him and say, hey, Robert, and shake his hand, I'm, I'm not going to give him that because he doesn't deserve that respect, in my opinion. Right. Especially, and maybe if we got to this point where they would both kind of own up to what happened and admit that it was super fucked up and really weird for him, for Lexton, and try to actively work on things and acknowledge things and fix things. Maybe at that point, if I saw that effort, sure. But that effort doesn't exist. It, it, it just doesn't.
0: Well, a, and you're also dealing with, hmm, how do I, how do I phrase this so that I don't, in a, you're dealing with someone who has constructed a reality that is different from reality. Either out of desperation for trying to maintain a sense of self because you know what you did was so fucking wrong. So you've decided to construct a reality to make it okay what you did. Yes. To excuse what you did as being okay and normal and fine. Right. You've constructed this reality. This is, this is the reality that this person is living in, is that what they did is perfectly okay. It harmed no one. Whatever is going on with Lexton is not my fault. Am I, am I speaking correctly?
1: You are. It sounds like you've given this some thought.
0: I've
1: (laughs) maybe like a little bit. Probably just thought on my behalf. I'm sure.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) But that is. I mean, there is that piece. Like to just acknowledge it and be chummy and be okay is would for me feel like I'm then saying, "Yeah, you're right. It wasn't. It's not really a big deal." But it is. It was a monumental thing. And I was old enough to be able to move through it and process it. It took time, but I was able to do it. But he's not. Lexton is not. And I can only help him so far along on that because yeah, I didn't do it. It's really, I mean, it's just not, it's not for me to get him the rest of the way because I can't. So to, to act like it's totally cool, I feel like it's just a total disservice to everything
0: hmm It's a disservice to the reality that your child is living in. Right. That's where I have come. That is where, like, this—it's a disservice to the reality that my children live in. My children are living, in a, are living in a, with, with a certain reality going on about them, and I refuse to have anybody try to construct or say that their reality is different from what they are living and experiencing
1: Right. And I think for me, that's sort of, that's a really interesting way to put it. I hadn't thought of it in those words, but for me t- to think about it and say, okay, you know, if I, if I question and say, okay, am I just being a bitter asshole? If I took Lexton out of the picture, I would have moved probably across the country because they don't really have any interest in staying here and moved on. Like by, by this point in time, we would not have communicated for, you know, 18 months. And that would be glorious. So I know that. I know that if he was not in the picture, like that's the only piece tying me to this constant communication. So I know that it's not, it's not my reality. My reality is okay. I've worked through and processed everything that has happened. I don't understand it, and I don't think I ever will. And that actually makes me feel better because I think if I understood it, I would have to be concerned about myself cuz i don't think there's a lot to understand but he he has his own reality like you said and it's it would be a betrayal to that
0: mm-hmm. like
1: the fact that i know that things all of the pieces are not in the right place in his head in terms of what happened and why and then for him to see me just shrug it off that i don't know i mean maybe it wouldn't make a big deal like a big difference right now but i feel like it would down the road
0: it's a way of I don't know, acknowledging that your child hurts or is in pain or is angry, acknowledges and affirms that what they're feeling is real and like what they're feeling is not wrong. Yeah. That it's their truth.
1: Yeah. And I think what's really challenging is that, I mean, I think you know that it's not as easy as sitting Lita down, for example, and saying, is everything okay? Because odds are she'll say yes, whether they are okay or not. At least in that initial asking. And maybe, maybe not with you, because you know, you have a different relationship with them than than John does, and I have a different relationship with Lexton than Heather does. But I think based on conversations that I've had with her, is it's no, he's fine. Yeah, I talk to him, you know, I I I pull him aside and we do things and he's fine. But that's not it's not a fair assessment. Because I think and I don't and I don't even think he's telling her that he's okay and in the back of his mind thinking i'm lying i'm not okay i just don't think he fully knows how to get to the root of it so he's okay because that's the easiest option mm-hmm. you know so th- i think that's what's the the hurdle that i have to cross with her it's like he's he's not periodically sitting down with him he's not going to solve anything he just won't but we have different parenting styles so i let it slide But that, and that I guess is a good example of an issue that, you know, we have different parenting styles and you have to let things slide, but some things you can't. Like to continue to disregard that he hasn't fully processed what has happened is a huge disservice to
0: him. Yes.
1: Which could be a whole separate discussion.
0: We do our best.
1: Yes, we do.
0: We do our best. Sometimes we fuck up
1: but that's the best we could do the best we could do is fuck uh, up at that time we
0: do our best <laughs> oh man oh man yeah
1: life do is really just best. a series of fuck ups and then occasionally you're like
0: oh my god I didn't fuck this
1: up that feels awesome <laughs> it's like the girl who played before Lita who said wow she's really good you're like oh my god I didn't mess it up <laughs> That's the grin. That's why. Because subconsciously, you're like, yes.
0: Mm-hmm. We're walking this tightrope. We're walking such a tightrope, man, in every day of our lives. Walking this tightrope. Let's just get, let me just like make one more step on this tightrope and not fall off. Yep. It's just, and that one step is so, oh, I made it one more step and I didn't fall off. Okay. I'm still saying it. I'm still here, suspended over a sea of crocodiles. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty accurate. And the second you question it, the second you you question the step or look down, shit just spirals.
0: <laughs> this is manic, rambling shit spirals. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, we we can we can tie up the episode with this. I was having a conversation, a business conversation this morning with someone who doesn't have kids. And they were like, they did the whole thing. What do you think about having kids? And I was like, do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> 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 and by the end of the conversation, he was like, well, that was uplifting. And I said, well, you, you came into you came into this gunfight knowing who was sta- staring at you
1: yeah and it's so. it's not like it's negative. it's just honest.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean you I will never sugarcoat everything. Some of it blows.
0: <laughs> some <laughs> of it blows
1: well, I mean that's that's just the truth of it,
0: okay, yeah, we I gotta we gotta tie this up because I gotta go eat some banana ice cream for lunch.
1: priorities Priorities. we are running a little long too wow
0: a little long yeah um yeah it's an important topic it is
1: and you can contribute to it if you'd like and we always love hearing your thoughts so if you uh if you deal with different parenting styles we'd love to know how you deal with them or don't deal with them maybe how you avoid dealing with them That is actually what I'm really interested in hearing. Avoidance all around. And if you have those stories to share, or any other stories, really, maybe they're about banana ice cream or piano, you can email us at stories at manicramblings.com.
0: And until next time, you don't have to shake his hand. Ever. Many thanks to Tan Lines for the soundtrack, to Lisa Congdon for the cover art, and to Ryan Coomer for his expertise with the editing stuff. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more